Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are more NFL head coaching hires. The NFL Honors Show is here. Who will be t- who will be walking away with some hardware? The battle for the Lombardi Trophy live from Los Angeles. A rematch for the championship belt at UFC 271. The march towards March continues in college basketball. Our five college basketball games of the week. With that, I give you our chief of our fire brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a Thursday night in Matt's basement, Delaware, Ohio. Like Colton said, we're gonna the last five teams um finally picked their guys. They got their man uh, ready to start moving forward. So I think the one that really didn't surprise me all that much was that was the Jacksonville uh, hiring Doug Peterson. He was their first interview. Um, not not two weeks after Urban got fired on December 30th, they did interview some other candidates, but mm-hmm. went back to Doug Peterson. I think I mean I think everybody saw that one coming. Um, some of these other ones I'm scratching my head a little bit at, but let's talk about Doug Peterson going to Jacksonville. Matt, you want to start us out? Yeah, I mean, on the surface, it looks like a good hire. I mean, the guy been a head coach in the NFL, the Eagles. He took him to a Super Bowl, won a championship there. He's got a record of 46-39. That, you know, not, not too bad. You know, I don't know. I, I think the Jags could have actually gone young. I, I kind of liked that they were looking at left, which with the situation they're in and all that, I just – I don't know. It, I don't know that Peterson's going to be real excited about being there. He's used to winning. He's used to being in a big time franchise. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't know that he's going to be a great fit in Jacksonville. But I mean, we'll see. He's a, he's a good coach, and hopefully, it works out for him. But I, I think maybe they could have gone a little younger and actually experimented with somebody like Leftwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, definitely. You know, I think I think this hire makes sense from from you know a standpoint of you know they obviously drafted Trevor Lawrence number one overall. You know, last last year and. They needed to get somebody in there that that you know knows the position or you know knows how to work with quarterbacks and you know I think I think Doug Peterson is one of those you know kind of the best I would say best in the business but one of the one of the better ones when it comes to you know quarterback coaching and things like that I mean he played played the position in the NFL for almost ten seasons you know mostly as a as a backup but you know he's been in the NFL knows you know knows his way around you know the locker room and things like that so. I just think that was that was the big reason of why they why they go that go that route is you know to to help develop Trevor Lawrence into the, the QB that we saw in college and help you know make that transition easier to to the NFL. I mean, definitely his his first season was you know kind of a wash or you know up up and down and you know a little bit of inconsistency and I don't know if I put that entirely on him. I mean, Jacksonville was obviously depleted of of you know athletes or you know just star star talent, I guess so. Obviously, they, they got the number one pick again, you know, this upcoming upcoming draft. So we'll see, uh, you know, which side of the ball they decide to decide to go with. They they go defense, they go offense, because I mean, when you go when you go three and 14, you need help, you need everywhere. help everywhere. So, you know, I, I don't think that they can go go wrong, per se. But, yeah, I think it's a good, you know, a good hire. But, yeah, Jacksonville interviewed several other other candidates for the job. But uh you know, ultimately they, they thought, you know, that experience with, with Doug Peterson, I think was, was I, the ultimate decision. I, I think that's probably more to it. I, you know, I really, I thought the odds on favorite going in was, was Byron Leftwich just mm-hmm. with his ties to the, to the community. And, and, uh, you know, he is an up and comer. I think he will be a head coach, but I think, you know, the bad experience they had maybe with a first time NFL coach last season, um, maybe worked against Leftwich a little bit. So I think right. they, 
you know, like Colton said, they want to go out and get uh, get somebody with some experience. So. Yeah, yeah. A couple of a couple of candidates that they did interview that I don't know if they were surprising, but just you know, interesting that they you know interviewed and and that was one of them was uh, you know the former Raiders interim head coach and Rich Rich Basaccia. Uh, they actually interviewed him for the job and then who, who did score a job this week as the uh, special teams coordinator there with Green with Green Bay. Bay. Yeah, so which is a lateral move, which I didn't really understand. Right, but, right. But uh, you know, the, another one that that was kind of interesting. Interesting. Um, they they actually interviewed uh, Alabama current Alabama offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, who you know was in the NFL as a head coach with the Texans, and that was quite the you know interesting disaster you know that he created there in Houston. So I think that they're still trying to recover maybe from from all of that, but just yeah, a couple couple names that that you know kind of stood out to me that were you know on the the interview list. So mm-hmm. we'll see. You, you said you know you did say the Jags have the number one pick in the in the draft coming up and. You know, I think they need to take a take a cue from the Bengals and, and let Lawrence pick who he wants because mm-hmm. that, that's paid dividends for the Bengals this year. Having somebody that, you know, Burrow had chemistry with and, and right. knew how to play with. I, right. I, I think that, you know, you, you should heed that advice and, and let Lawrence kind of be, be, be a key contributor into making that pick. Yeah, absolutely. I think they, they definitely, you know, Jacksonville's definitely got to, got to turn it around. I mean, they've had one winning season since 2007 and and have had 10 or 10 or, you know, have lost 10 or more games in 10 of the past 11 years. So they, they definitely have not had a a very good decade or, you know, the past couple decades have not been kind to, to Jacksonville. So, you know, they're, they're looking for, they're looking for answers and he definitely got his work cut out for him. Absolutely. All right. Um, on to, move a little bit farther south stay in the same state uh miami dolphins this week hired mike mcdaniel um offensive coordinator from the 49ers uh colton give me give me your take on this yeah i'm I'm not really sure i i i mean obviously the dolphins had to go you know go go a certain route i'm a little bit confused in the sense that you know kind of the offense that was under you know uh the 49ers the past couple of years while you know mike mcdaniel has, has been there for for the 49ers has been pretty run heavy. And, and if I'm looking at kind of the roster currently with, with the dolphins, I don't know. I mean, if he's trying to bring that kind of same scheme to the dolphins, I don't really think that that fits a whole, a whole lot. I mean, two was not, you know, he's not a guy out there. that's going to gunsling it and throw it for, you know, 500 yards. And, and but I guess that would be where I'd see maybe a fit. Cause he, he kind of reminds you him and Garoppolo kind of yeah. similar style. of <clears throat> Right. Game. I mean, it, it just be, yeah. Be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. You know, right now I just, yeah, I just don't, I don't see the dolphins when it comes to like the run game though. Right. They, they don't have like the, the running backs, I would say to, to really, you know, kind of match that 49ers offense, I guess. So it'll be yeah interesting. Obviously that that's a big, you know, key coming into this for, you know, that will be uh real, real key for Mike McDaniel to, you know, kind of get right is, is, you know, make sure Tua plays consistently because, you know, there's been talks in the media, you know, ever since Tua was drafted of, was he the right quarterback? He's been on the in and out of the trading block rumors and it, right. it just, you know, not a good situation you want to put your quarterback in. So, you know, he's, McDaniel's got to build that confidence in him and just really, you know, develop him into, you know, like I said, he doesn't have to be a guy that goes out there and throws it for 500 yards because right. I just don't think that's the type of QB he's going to be. But, you know, do just enough with, with his legs and with his arms to to make the defense, you know, have to play defense basically. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't I – don't, I was telling the guys before the show started, I don't know what, uh, you know, the Dolphins, to me – it wouldn't have mattered who they hired. I'm still kind of, you know, upset or not really sure why they got rid of Brian Flores when they, they had a winner 
before right. and uh, they decide to let him go. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. If I, if I were a coach in the NFL, I don't think I would have touched this, this job with a 10-foot pole because the expectations now are through the roof. They, right. they fired a guy who was winning. Who had, like, so their it, two winningest seasons in, you know, the last 20 years for the Dolphins. They hadn't right. won back-to-back. Yeah, hadn't had back-to-back winning seasons in 20 years. Right, right. So, I mean, you, you fire a guy who's winning. I mean, short of this guy going – far in the playoffs or to the Super Bowl, what, what, what's yeah. better? I mean, what, what can you do? Yeah. I mean, so yeah, that's a tough spot to be in for any right. coach. Yeah. Coming yeah. Into I agree. You know, and especially a guy coming in who has had, you know, definitely he's been in the NFL, but has prior, no prior NFL head coaching experience. Right. So it, it's, yeah, you're walking into, you know, an interesting situation. So, so I, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, and we're not going to get into the the politics of what's going on right, with this, right. but that's not our, that's not our forum here at, at fired up sports, but that just tells me there was something more going on than wins and losses down there in Miami right. because the guy comes in, he goes five and 11 his first year, 10 and six his second year, nine and eight in 2021 yeah. and it gets fired. And, and nine, nine and eight in 2021, when they started the season one and seven. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're expecting there just to, you know, the team to lay down and die and, you know, right. win maybe a, a couple more games after Finish that. But, season eight and one. Yeah. But that's, that's pretty, pretty impressive. So, right. I don't know. Yeah, this is one of those head scratchers for me. I, I didn't, I didn't get this. To you fire Flores, who you know was was winning, 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 I mean, turning the team around to hire a guy that has no head coaching experience and was only an offensive coordinator for one year. Right. And, and like Colt said, in San Francisco, really, their offense wasn't wasn't phenomenal. Wasn't right. phenomenal. So yeah, yeah. we'll see. I, you know, hopefully it works out for the for the fans in Miami. All right, um, the Bears. The Bears. Not the Bears. We already talked about the Bears. Yeah, that was well, last week. But we yes. got Texans, Saints, and uh, Vikings left. Yeah, yeah, we did talk about the Bears last week. Right. Um, yeah, I guess the Saints, Dennis Allen, yes. they get their guy. Um, he's been a head coach, but his record has not been good. Eight no. and 28. Eight and 28 cool. with, yeah. the, with the Raiders um, in, yeah. in, in a couple couple of seasons there. Two and, seasons at 4-12 and 12 and then started his third season 0-4 and, and got fired. So yeah. no. I, I guess the only thing I can say for this one is, though, it, it, it keeps a little continuity there in New Orleans. I mean, nobody really expected the coach to retire there in the right. offseason. Yeah, so I mean, it kind of came as a shock. So I, I think this does keep a, keep a little team continuity there. And the, the team's been in a good place you know mm-hmm. they've been winning so yeah, yeah but it, given that i think there's some expectations there to continue on that trend so yeah yeah you absolutely. know obviously they have the pieces they have the athletes they have the players there to win games so if they don't win games are they going to pin that all on the coach right. right yeah absolutely and you know speaking of brian flores um you know from what i was kind of reading and looking at um he actually was a candidate that the saints did did interview or you know was a possible candidate they were considering for this job you know obviously they decided to stay internally internally with it and i think you know from from that perspective i think it does it does make sense right. um and and you know the, the guy has been great when it comes to coaching the defense um you know he's that that has been a staple for for the saints defense since he's taken over um they've gone from being a team that ranked 32nd in points allowed and, and 31st in total yards allowed in 2015 he takes you know takes over they've been in like the top five in both of those categories since he's taken over so I'm not so worried that the defense will be a problem. It's going to be what does he do or who does he hire to, to run that offense to, to complement, you know, his his defense. I think he has to knock that out of the park to really have, you know, success. And if you're looking at it, that that was kind of the thing that held the Saints back a little bit this year is just inconsistent QB play and just, you know, not 
the same type of Saints offense we're used to seeing. So yeah, I think the big thing for him is going to be to see who they can go out and get this offseason to play quarterback mm-hmm. for them next year. And yeah. they're also going to need a little help at wide receiver because I'm sure uh, Thomas is probably out the door and <clears throat> right, a few right. other things. But. Well, and now they're start running back has got some legal, got some legal issues got some legal issues going on <clears throat> right, so right. we'll see how that plays out for him and the last one the minnesota vikings hired kevin o'connell uh two years with the rams as their offensive coordinator and a year before that he was the offensive coordinator um with the washington football team matt give me your take on kevin o'connell yeah, yeah that's another i just i don't understand all these guys who've never had head coaching experience just I mean, I know you got to get promoted at some point, but it's, I mean, it seems like nobody's looking at ex head coaches anymore. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's guys who've really seems to proven, be a youth movement yeah. in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's guys who've really proven a lot in this league that are sitting at home with no jobs right now. And right. It's, right. It's, it's kind of a head scratcher. But, you know, the Rams, the Rams have had a great offense. So if he can do with the Vikings, what, what he did with the Rams. You know, I I think that it's a, not a bad move. Yeah, They're, they got some pieces up there. They got they yeah, got some, yeah, they got they got some, he's got some guys to work with. Yeah, decent decent team up there. Obviously, I think it starts with the defense. The defense was absolutely putrid this this year uh, for for the Vikings. So I think it starts starts on that side, and obviously, him being an offensive minded guy, it's going to be you know hiring a, a good defensive coordinator to to run the defense and mm-hmm. and whatnot, uh, but it's going to be a little tough because the Vikings are a little bit strapped for cash. Um, when I was looking it up, they're currently $14 million over the cap. Um, so wow. they're, they're going to have to either, you know, make some cuts, make some trades, you know, right. make some hard moves to, if they want to, yeah, I just don't know that free agency is going to be the route that they go to, to rebuild that team or, yeah. you know, to add some pieces or whatnot. The word is they are trying to ship out cousins and okay. make uh, some, make some moves there at quarterback. So that, I mean, we'll see what that, happens. That'll be interesting that. because, um, yeah, actually, cause Kevin O'Connell, um, went with his, uh, excuse me. Um, I've drawn a blank. Kirk cousins, final mm-hmm. season in Washington. Uh, O'Connell was actually was his QB the, coach, yeah. so yeah. I think that was kind of the connection of maybe why they went the route that they did. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I agree. His yeah, because Cousins may, is one that he's never really lived up to the hype. Oh, I don't definitely think. not worth the the amount of money that the Vikings paid paid him. So maybe they restructure his well, deal. From, or, well, from what I heard, was a lot of the talk was the the new GM that came in. Mm-hmm. Um, I had know. some connections to Cleveland. And oh yeah, it was a possible trade for Mayfield. Okay, so, All right. kind of a. A guy wow. who's not living up to it in one place to a guy who didn't live up to it in the other place for a year. <laughs> but, you know, maybe um, it's just a, a trade of kind of disgruntled guys at this point. Right, so, yeah, right. maybe. May I don't know. That That's definitely definitely so, interesting. And we, so. we actually do have one more coaching hire to oh, talk yeah, yeah. about. With the Texans. The one yeah. who none of us were really too happy with there. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. The, the Texans hiring Lovey Smith. So right. what was your guys' take on that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, another another big head scratcher yeah, for that, me. Yeah, that's what that's – what, uh, that's how I was leading that off. He was had been with the Bears. Mm-hmm. Was with the Bears for eight years. Had a decent record, eighty-one and sixty-three in Chicago. Took him, took him to a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I mean, his overall, he's right at five hundred eighty-nine and eighty-seven. He was in Tampa Bay for a couple of years. Went eight and twenty-four in Tampa Bay. Um, I, yeah, I was. Uh, and then also, you know, spent five seasons in the college ranks at University of Illinois. Illinois and went 17 and 39 in those yeah, five they years. Were, so. Illinois was awful. So yeah, I, mean, I, I guess it's kind of where I just contradicted myself from a little bit ago about all these first time head coaches. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't think this was the head coach you wanted to go after. When, <laughs> right. I just, I, the whole situation, the Houston, uh, it, this is another, you know, 
organization that I don't know anybody that wants to walk into that organization yeah, right now. And that it, had to make it the, tough, the, too, the, on who you're actually going to get to come. Yeah, in. who you're going to attract to come there. It's because, a, you, you, like, you know, we've talked about it, you know, several times. You, you fire your coach after one season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he goes, he matches the same amount of wins you had the previous and year you knew they were with a roster that was even further depleted yeah, than right. what it yeah, was. Absolutely. So, I mean, I don't know. It just didn't, and, and Lovey Smith was on the staff last year. So why didn't you just hire Lovey Smith to begin with? Right. Like it doesn't. It to me, it it looks like. Well, we interviewed some other guys. They didn't seem so interested in the job. So we, we took just, the one guy who wanted to be. Yeah, here, the one yeah. guy that you know has had some coaching experience and is already in the organization. You know, we'll just promote him and he'll be the head coach right. kind of deal. Like, ah, uh, yeah, just this is another you know organization. Like I said, that I just I don't know that anybody wants to touch. So it needs overhaul. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, these are going to be Colton side. These are all going to be announced tomorrow. The you know NFL awards and let's start out with the young guys. Uh, give me your uh, give me your offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I think this is hands down. I don't think there's anybody else that really can can chase this guy. Really even has a chance, and that's that's Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver Jamar Jamar Chase. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I don't think you can really make the argument for. For really anybody, anybody else in the Mac in the class. Jones would be the only other one right. that, that would come close. Right. I think. Waddle didn't have a bad year either there in Miami. Right, right. It, but I mean, Jamar Chase, eighty-one catches for almost fifteen hundred yards and, and thirteen touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he also had a game where he had almost three hundred yards and three touchdowns. So just a lot of standout moments for yeah. for a rookie, you know, year. Fourth uh, overall in receiving mm-hmm. as a rookie, right? All the, you know, and, and and you know everybody was kind of doubting this move and everything like that before the season started. Of uh, the Bengals should have went, you know, offensive line, and I don't think you can, I don't think you can disagree with that because the Bengals' offensive line is not good either. <laughs> right. But but I think this guy has been a spark to that offense that that the Bengals needed. Obviously, yeah, I, it's, I don't think they are where they are if they don't make that move. Right, right, and, and you agree. know expectations were a little bit, you know, questioning, you know, coming in. I mean, the preseason, Jamar Chase looked awful. I mean, he couldn't couldn't catch a cold. I mean, yeah. he was dropping balls left and right. So we're like, nah, I don't know if this guy's going to really pan out or, you know, whatever. But he proved everybody else wrong. And, you know, from week one has been nothing but but a star there in, in Cincinnati. So, and, you know, like I said before, that, that was a hand-picked move by Joe Burrow. And like I said, I, I think a lot of organizations need to – Kind of consider that a little bit players more. A little yeah, more with yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Defensive rookie of the year, Matt. Who you got? Yeah, to me, this one's a no-brainer. It's Michael Parsons from the uh, Dallas Cowboys, the do-it-all defensive player for them. He's played linebacker, defensive end. They say if they wanted to, he could, they could even throw him out there at cornerback. He's that athletic, that oh, wow. fast. Yeah. He had seventy-nine tackles, thirteen sacks, three forced fumbles. This guy was all over the place, and he's looking to just get better. As Twenty as tackles as well. for loss. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah he's, thirty, thirty QB hits. I mean, the guy. Yeah, line him up anywhere. He, he's you know knows what his job is, what his assignment is, and he's he's going to do it to to perfection. Well, there in the Pro Bowl weekend, they had him had him in a little. Uh, Fastest, fastest player, right? He actually won the fastest player. He beat against, out, uh, beat out the cheetah. Yeah, he beat and, out the uh, cheetah, yeah. Tyreek Hill. Tyreek so, Hill. <clears throat> yeah, do, and, and do. we know how fast he is. And, uh, so, the, the Browns running back, uh, uh, Nick Chubb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anybody a close second? I really don't know. I mean, I, I don't know too many defensive rookies from from this class. Yeah. But Patrick he, Sertan was the only other one I would have seen may, might have had a chance. Right, but a, a cornerback for the Broncos. Had yeah, four. I was I was looking at the odds uh, on like um, on the betting sites, and and right now Michael Parsons is a minus ten thousand. Wow, <laughs> to win this yeah. award, and I mean. 
from what I was reading, that pretty much puts the percentage at winning at a hundred percent. They 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 have absolutely no doubt, no no doubt that they, he's winning this award. So right. you might be smart to put some money on on somebody else because you can't win, you know, unless right, you, you got ten, nothing. unless you got ten grand lying around. You know, you you're not getting much if you bet on Micah Parsons, right. but. but yeah, you know, Patrick Sertan, the cornerback for Broncos, would be the only other one I thought that might be considered. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think Parsons has got this wrap. Yeah, because I mean, at the same time, we're you know going to talk about this overall defensive player of the year award. You could almost throw Parsons in there, yeah. you know, to, to yeah. possibly win that as a rookie. So. Yeah, but I think even that's probably going to be a no brainer as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. All right, let's go uh, offensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, for for me. And we'll, we'll talk about this later, but for me, I, I think it's it's Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Cooper Cooper Cup. I I think um, you know, and, and that I'll give you my reason why maybe a little bit a little bit later. But the guy guy was spectacular. I mean, thirteen, you know, only, only a few yards shy of breaking Calvin Johnson's single season record of, of receiving yards in a year. Um, you know, just just slightly under two thousand there for for Cooper Cup and. You know, I I don't think the Rams are where they are with without him on that on that field. He, you know, I, I when they when they uh, you know needed a catch or they needed you know somebody to make a play, Cooper Cup was always you know kind of a sure-handed guy. So in the defense, you know it's coming. It reminds me of I mean, yeah, they put two and three guys on. You this, knew it was coming, and, and they still, still couldn't. He still catches. He's still it, making so. big. You know, and I back when we talked about our favorites here a few weeks ago. He was kind of – I know they're not going to give it to a receiver, but he was kind of my pick for MVP. Mm-hmm. And I, I – I, not that he's going to get it, but I still like him in consideration for, you know, most valuable player in the whole league. Yeah, I'm actually going to go a little outside of the box on this one. You know, I'm not going with Cup like you guys did. I'm going with Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, that, a great that, that's year. a close, close yeah. second. I had him in second. Yeah. Running back. And he rushed for 1,800 yards, 18 touchdowns. He added another 360 through the air, two more touchdowns there. Right. So he actually outpaced Cup for yards, mm-hmm. and he outpaced Cup for touchdowns. Yeah. Know? So, yeah. I, I mean, in rush, he's 500 more yards than the next closest running back. So, right. I mean, yeah. he, in the running, as far as running back class, he blew everybody away. Right. Yeah, definitely. If I, when I was looking at, you know, kind of the odds and things like that, this looked like it was the closest race of, of all of them. Um, they, they, I mean, it was almost like a coin flip between either, you know, Cooper Cup or, or Jonathan Taylor. But mm-hmm. outside of those two guys, I don't think you got, you know, anybody really, right. you know, it's it's one of those two is, is taking home the, the hardware. So, mm-hmm. all right. Mm-hmm. Who you like for defensive player of the year? I think this one makes makes sense. I don't know if y'all are in agreement, but I, I think it's Pittsburgh Steelers defensive end T T J Watt. Colton, uh, you and I are three for three. So far. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm right on board with him as well. I mean, the, the, the guy ties you know Michael Strahan's you know NFL right. single There's season the record win for right there. You tie And and this guy has been you know maybe he's been snubbed a couple of times on this defensive player of the year award. You know Aaron Donald has pretty much you know put his it, it should be almost called the Aaron Donald defensive player of the year award, but I, I think this year T J Watt you know went above and beyond to, to, to put himself at the top. You know, you always got to throw Donald in there as, as a, you know, a possibility. I got him in second place. But, but I, I think DJ or DJ TJ Watt, you know, separated himself this year and, and really deserves it. The only year. thing about Watt's stat that really stands out to me though, that in the negative for him, he only had 58 tack total tackles. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at a guy like Parsons had 79 tackles. Yeah. I, I know the sacks weren't up there, but I mean, Right. 58 total tackles is a little lacking for a defensive player of the yeah, year, but, yeah, but yeah. those sacks are hard to look back. Right. Well, and it, and it's interesting because not only did he, you know, tie Strahan's single single season sack record, but he actually he missed two games during the regular mm. season. So he 
you know, definitely, I would say he, he probably would have broke the record had he, you know, if he had only missed maybe one of those games, he, he may have, you know, broken the record. Which so. would have put him at 16 games, which is what, right. which is what, what Strahan did. Yeah, did it yeah. so he, yeah, I think you tie the great Michael Strahan, you're, it, the, that yeah. award's yours. Yeah, no absolutely. <clears throat> let's move on. Uh, how about your comeback? This is an easy one yeah. for me, too. I think comeback so. player of the year. It's got to be Joe Burrow. Absolutely. How I can you not? I don't think there's anybody yeah. else that, that, that really. Well, the only stayed. other person in the running would have been Dak Prescott. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, right I even had Nick Bosa in there, yeah. possibly. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he went through a season ending ACL and mm-hmm. came back and got 15 and a half sacks and 21 tackles for loss. But, right. Yeah. I mean, how can you not give it to the whiz kid from Athens, um, Joe Burrow? Right. Right. After, you know, he goes down with that gruesome, gruesome knee injury. ACL, and, MCL. <clears throat> right. Um, and, and then comes back this year and you know sets the world on fire and then you know has the potential to set the Bengals up to win you know win a super bowl i mean right. what, what what more can you can you say yeah, so the guy, the guy looked even better this year than, right. than he did after right. sitting yeah. out yeah. right and and, and, it, and it's only his second season i mean it, yeah. it, it's it's crazy to think and, how and like we mentioned with a terrible offensive line right right yeah that that yeah and the durability he's he's been a lot obviously a lot more durable this this year than you know what he obviously was last year so He's taking the punishment and still, you know, getting up and, and you know, ready to go the next play and whatnot. I don't I don't think you can give it to anybody else but but Joe. <clears throat> All right. Before we do the MVP, let's do coach of the year. Matt, who you got? Yeah, so I'm I'm going with what kind of goes against the green because most people are, are thinking it's gonna be Vrabel there from Tennessee. But I'm going with Bengals coach Zach Taylor. I mean, the Bengals had the worst record in their division a year ago. They to, now they're winning the division this year and they're going to the Super Bowl. I don't know that they're really supposed to take postseason stats into mm-hmm. all this. I don't know that their run to Super Bowl should yeah, make that I, much I, of a difference. Yeah, because if I read it correctly, I think the actual votes were were done at like the end of the season. Like the, yeah. the votes have already been like accounted for. Like basically, right. the media or the people already know who's going to win. Yeah. It's just this whole you know production that they do or to to actually announce it to the fans. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that the votes actually had to be submitted like end of December, you know, right. towards towards the end of December or whatever. But, I mean, e- even throwing out the run to the Super Bowl, you take a team from the worst team in your division to, right. to the best team in your division where you look at Tennessee, who, who was already the Who's best already been division, pretty consistent. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you, man. I, I got, you know, Cincinnati QB or QB uh, head coach uh, Zach Taylor as well. And, and, and for a lot of those same same reasons, um, you know, yeah, they go from basically worst to first in, yeah. in one season. And, the three teams that, you know, they're in their division, they all made the playoffs last yeah. year. So mm-hmm. it's not like they were, you know, going in up a against, division. you know, a weak division or anything like that. I mean, they went up against a, a tough, hard-nosed division and, and came out on top. And, yeah, I mean, maybe you don't throw in the playoffs, you know, success in there, but it's hard to not at least consider yeah, it. So, anyway, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, I'll make it three for three on that, too. <laughs> I like I like Zach Taylor. I had, you know, gave some thought to Mike Vrabel. I looked at his stats and – also, uh, another guy, I looked at Matt LaFleur from Green, Bra- Green, Green Bay. Bay yeah. You know, they had a great season. They, you know, had a probably, I thought, maybe an earlier exit out of the playoffs than what they should have. But, you know, if this was done on a regular season, Green Bay had a great season this year. Yeah, so. absolutely. Colton, I think we've agreed on every one of these so far. Right? I I think one, so. Two, <laughs> I think so. Wow, that's, that's unusual. Well, let's, that's... See, let's see how we do on MVP. I'll let you start it out, Colton. Who's your MVP? Well, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I think everybody's probably going to go, you know, Green Bay and then go Aaron Rodgers here. But for me, I think, you know, final season in the league, I, I got, you know, Tom, you know, terrific Tom winning, winning the MVP and, you know, I mean, I I think it would just be great to send him out on his final season and send him out with an MVP. But I don't know. I, I, I just have a real, I don't know if I'd say bad feeling, but just 
have a pretty decent feeling that that Rodgers is going to be taking it taking it home. But I just don't understand. Uh, I mean, it. you look at their stats though; they don't really right match up. I mean, right. Brady, Brady led the league in passing yards by and far. Touchdowns. Yeah, when it comes to stats, it is by far been better yeah. than than Rodgers. What, but I don't know. The reason I give it to Aaron Rodgers. He only had four picks. He does, yeah. That's less than one percent of his passes getting intercepted. That that is, that, you know, that is. I, a stat I looked that, at all that stuff, but I do have we got, we do disagree on this one. So <laughs> it wasn't like we copied each other's notes in study hall. Um, so I I did have Aaron Rodgers, and that's looking at their stats. I was like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you can't go wrong. Yeah, right? I think this both is of them had great tough, seasons. But the pick, but the reason I give Aaron the nod was was that low interception rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes yeah, sense. Like I said, I'm with Colton on this. I went with Tom Brady, and it's just it, it'd be the perfect icing on the cake for right. a Hall of Fame career. Oh yeah, and, and, not, and not that he needs it. Yeah. Not that he needs yeah. it, obviously. Yeah. But you know, he's just got with, enough hardware. Yeah, just be a nice, you know, kind of kind of send off, or you know, since he didn't really have that, you know, farewell tour, if you will. This is the final, you know, piece or whatever the NFL can kind of give him before he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, obviously. To the rumors, he said, ask, they are already asking about a comeback, and he said, never say never. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> All right. All right, so that's our, that's it for our awards. Now let's move on to the big game this Sunday. Uh, Sunday, Super Bowl 56 on NBC at 630. Um you know, the Rams versus the Bengals, if you didn't already know. <laughs> and who would have thought? Yeah, who'd have thought that? Two but, number uh, four seeds. All right, yeah. all right. You got you got right now Vegas has got the Rams favored by four points. Um they're coming in at twelve and five the regular season. The Bengals are at ten and seven. The over over under setting at forty eight and a half right now. Give me your keys to the game, fellas. Yeah, I think I think for me is 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 something you know, we talked about it a little bit with just the bad, poor, you know, poor play that the offensive line for for the Bengals can they hold up against you know what is a a terrific defensive line or you know a front seven for for the Rams when you got you know Dante Fowler, Aaron Donald, you got uh, oh, Von Miller. I mean, it just the list can go on and on Ooh. of guys that can go in there and get get a sack. I mean, and, and we saw what happened in that Titans game. You know, he got sacked nine times. Obviously, the result was was still the same. The Bengals wind up, you know, winning that game. But I, I, I just I, I don't know how how long you can sustain that and still come out on top. You're not gonna uh, win a lot of games letting your quarterback get sacked nine right, times. Right, right. And and a, a interesting stat that, that I did I did find is that um Burrow, you know, he, he definitely has to get the ball out of his hands and, and that magic number is three seconds. Any longer than three seconds, um the the sack rate, his his sack rate jumps up from Let's see. It goes up to twenty-two and a half percent if he holds up to the, wow. you know, holds that ball for longer than three. That's almost a quarter of his dropbacks. Right. He's getting sacked, yeah. and, and the average is like ten percent for you know every other QB in the league. It's like ten percent. Wow. So he's almost double, you know, a little over double what everybody else is if he holds onto that ball for longer than three three seconds. So three seconds is that magic number. Mm-hmm. So I think you know that the Bengals are definitely going to have to you know work their offense to, to, to make some short routes, short passes and things like that to at least start the game to get him comfortable back there or whatever and let the game, you know, kind of kind of come to him. But I think that's a, that's a big key for, for me, at least to, to start with. Right. Yeah, to, to me, I think he's going to be the, the, the Bengals' defense. They're going to have to keep this game a low-scoring affair because I just – I with that offensive line and, and Joe running for his life most of the game, I don't think they're going to put up a lot of points. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, like you said, it'll be a lot like that Titans game, low scoring affair. Right. I, that's the only way the Bengals come out on top here. Keep it, keep it low scoring. Yeah, I think. Keep it close and have, have, have yourself a shot at the end. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I'm kind of going to echo what Colton touched on a little bit. Um, 
the Bengals' offensive line is was rated 30th in pass protection mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. season, and the Rams' pass rush number one. number one. Yeah, so <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be huge. Yeah. Um, but and I think a key to that, and like because like Colton said, with the uh, getting the ball out of his hands quick, is if the uh, the health with of the knee of CJ Ozama, mm-hmm. um, you know, he he really stepped up big, big, and, big target. For, yeah, for and. Burrow. and it stepped up big in the wild card game and against the Titans. He had six catches for 64 yards against Las Vegas and seven catches for 71 yards against the Titans. Not huge, you know, obviously not big deep balls that they're throwing. Right. Keep, keep but, them honest though. Right. right. And those were those quick passes that mm-hmm. go for seven or eight yards, you yeah. know, a quick he, out. Keeps a drive alive yeah. kind of deal. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, they're saying he's going to go. He hasn't practiced all week. Mm. Um, so, you yeah, know, we'll, we'll I think what... that's going to be – that's going to be key to uh, the, the win for Cincinnati. Um, you guys want to give me a prediction? Yeah, well, I want to just talk about the, you know, we talked a lot about the Bengals, but I want to, you know, flip it over to, to the Rams. And, and for me, I think a, a key for them is is can they get the running game going enough to, to keep the defense for the Bengals, you know, a little bit honest? Uh, because, you know, uh, you know we'll, let's be honest. I mean, obviously the Rams – they, they want to go to their passing attack. They got, you know, two stud receivers in, in Odell Beckham and, and Cooper Cup and, you know, other guys that are that are more than capable of, of catching the ball. But I think to, to, you know, really help their offense out a little bit, I think they have to sustain a, a decent running game to, to keep that Cincinnati Bengals defense kind of on their on their toes of of what's coming. And so far through the playoffs, I mean. It hasn't. It, it has not now. been, you know, that but way. They but but, they, but they've, they've won. I mean, yeah. I, so I don't know. I mean, they. Uh, the two teams playing in the Super Bowl, it, it a lot of the stuff doesn't make any sense right. that they made it here, but they're, they're here. I mean, it, it's got to it, be the worst offensive line in the history of the Super Bowl. Right, I mean, right, yeah, stat-wise, right, anyway. and we got you know uh, a team that yeah that probably you know can't run the ball basically one dimensional on offense and and still you know is here playing playing for the for the trophy. So uh, I don't know that, that's a key for me, but yeah, I. I guess if I'm going, if we're going predictions here, I, I think it's a tight, a tight ball game. But I, I think the Rams, the Rams come out on top. I'm going to say 28-24. I'm, I'm going Rams 35-20. I, I think the Bengals settle for some field goals and the Rams get some touchdowns, and that 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 makes the difference. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to I'm going to pick the Bengals, fellas. I think right. they're I think they're a team of destiny this year. I mean, I every so. time I picked against them, they've won. So yeah, I, 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 I guess I'll continue that trend. And I'm going to go. 28 24. All right. All with, right. Perfect. With the Bengals bringing home the Lombardi trophy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Going off the upset. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Um, stay tuned and we'll be, we'll be back at you here in a minute. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back. We're going from the gridiron to the octagon. <laughs> yeah. So uh, UFC 271 this weekend. We got one title bout on the on the card for the night. We got Israel Adesanya against Robert Whitaker. This is a rematch from October of 
2019 UFC 243. So, mm -hmm. Colton, give me your thoughts. Yeah, I think uh, you know this is is definitely going to be. I, I don't know. I, I'm not not super interested in, in watching this this UFC just because the card is not not super great. I mean, outside of this this title this rematch, this is a big one, and that's about it. Yeah, and, and I'm not even so convinced that this is really going to be a great uh, kind of you know rematch or you know uh, yeah rematch for Robert Whitaker. I mean, if you look at that first fight, I mean it was pretty one sided. Adesanya basically knocked out Whitaker two different times in that, in that, in that fight in, in round one, he, he all, he pretty much knocked him out, but got, you know, Whitaker got saved by the bell basically. And then it wasn't too much shortly into the second round. He, he threw in, you know, threw some punches and, you know, knocked his lights out and it was, you know, done, done from there. And I just don't, I mean, it, Israel is one of the best, you know, best in the business and, and is trying to make that claim to be, you know, one of the best UFC fighters in, in, in you know, all of UFC. Um, I just think the key for, for Whitaker is, is, you know, can he take uh, Izzy to the ground, I think is, is going to be, you know, kind of the key. And uh, because in, in Izzy's last fight and granted he moved up a weight class to, to do it, uh, you know, when, when the, the Polish hammer kind of took him to the ground, he, he really didn't have much of an answer to, to that. But I, I just think, yeah, overall, Izzy's the better kind of overall fighter and, and Whitaker is going to have to, try to do something I think a little bit miraculous to, to pull off pull off a win here but you know we'll we'll, we'll see I, I think Izzy Izzy retains the belt yeah okay. I'm, I'm looking at this and Adesanya's 21 and 1 Whitaker's 24 and 5 I was looking into Adesanya's only lone loss and it came in actually his light heavyweight debut he was challenging for the for the title there so he was yeah. fighting up a, a weight class right and that's his only loss and it was a decision mm -hmm. going round so yep. I mean yeah. the, the guy's never been knocked out he, right. he's dominated he's the middleweight division I, I don't see this being any different than the first fight he yeah. knocked him out the first time i think he knocked him out again yeah not so fast oh okay i kind of I, I kind of looked at i kind of broke this down into three parts uh right. who i gave the edge to in striking obviously you got to give that to adesanya i mean uh he's a great striker when he fought and kicked when he did just kickboxing he went 75 and 5 as a kickboxer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in straight boxing he's 5 and 1 as a boxer so right. he, uh, definitely he gets the edge in the striking okay now on the other hand i got Whitaker's a much better wrestler um yep he's uh was undefeated in the australian freestyle free wrestling mm -hmm. and took home the gold um in the Nash australian national wrestling championship so mm -hmm. so you, then you go down to like your submission and Whitaker's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and has five wins by submission so yeah. to me if he can get Izzy on the ground um he's he's got a chance to win this and I think I saw you know maybe a little slip maybe a little getting off his game a little bit in that last fight from from Izzy so I'm going to, I'm going to take the other underdog, underdog here and, and uh, pick Robert Whitaker in a submission. All right. Well, another fight that I'm, I'm kind of interested, just a, a little bit interested in, and that's, that's the heavyweight fight. That's actually, I think the fight right before the, the championship fight. And that's uh, Derek Lewis, who, you know, was the, the heavyweight, you know, title holder or whatever. Um, and before, and he's fighting uh, tied to Ivasa and these guys are just, I mean, slobber knocking. They're going to, they're going to knock each other out. Um, They've combined for 33 knockouts in their 39 wins. So they're, they're heavy, heavy hitters. So I, I expect some, some, some real, you know, heavy, you know, some heavy blows to be exchanged in that. But, you know, one thing that's, that'll be kind of interesting because um, if Tui, Tui, Tui Vasa, um, if Ty Tui Vasa wins, wins it, he has this signature thing he does after he wins called the, called the Shoei, 
where he takes a shoe and and chugs beer out of a shoe <laughs> after after he wins. So yeah, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, for that, yeah, yeah, just a, just a little bit of entertainment. <laughs> yeah, inter entertainment to uh, you know go along with with the you know the fireworks that that'll All be right. you know exchanged. So yeah, I was looking at this. I, I think it could go either way. Both these fighters won seven out of their last ten fights, and they've both actually lost to pretty much the same guys. They both have a loss to Junior Dos Santos in that time, and both have a loss to Daniel Cormier. So I mean, these guys are. Seem on paper pretty balanced, so this could, should be a heck of a fight. Which uh, Derek Lewis will will more than likely have the crowd because he, you know, this UFC is in Houston, Texas, and I believe he is a Houston, Texas native. So he, he'll, he didn't fight well last he, time. He, he did not. No, home. he did not. He he did not look very good, but still should have you know the fans behind him or you know the the crowd behind him. Wonder if, if sometimes he, it was just too many distractions, right? You know, right. Fighting yeah. in your home city, right? Yeah. You know, family, friends, you know, in town or you know right, whatever. Right. So. <clears throat> All right, well, let's move on to the hardwood then. Uh, we got our five picks for the week. Um, first game is Friday night, 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. We got number 24, UConn, at six and six, 16 and 6, going against number 25, Xavier, at 16 and 6. UConn, 7 and 4 in the Big East, and Xavier, 6 and 5 in the Big East. So um, I got my pick, but you guys tell me. Yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, both these teams, you know, UConn scores the ball a little a little bit more, you know, more than Xavier. And, and to me, I, I think UConn's going to come out on top of this one. I, I, Xavier just, to me, is not an impressive team. They just don't do anything that's really impressive or really kind of stands out on, on the stat sheet. I, I think they'll keep it, you know, kind of low scoring because, you know, looking at the stats – Xavier only turns the ball over nine and a half times a game. So they, they don't turn the ball over a ton, but they don't, they don't score a lot of points either. So I think it'll, you know, they'll kind of control the pace or, you know, chew up a lot of that clock to, you know, limit the opportunities that UConn uh, gets. But ultimately I think, I think UConn gets, gets the win in a, in a close game. Yeah. I'm with, I'm with Colton on this one. You know, UConn's averaging five more points per game. They've got two more boards a game, two more blocks per game, and they've fared slightly better against uh, some of the ranked opponents they've played this year. So I think it's going to be a close one. I think UConn comes out on top. All right. I'm going the other way. Oh, all right. Uh, because, because of what Colton mentioned, that turnover, I, I like teams that don't don't give away the ball. I like teams that take care of the ball, obviously. And another reason I like Xavier is their five, guy, their five top scorers are all within – three points of each other so they share they, the ball a lot. yeah they share the ball you can rely on their leading score at 12.3 the next guy's down is at 12 next guy down is at 10 six next guy down is at 10 one mm -hmm. and the fifth guy's at 9.9 so yeah yeah i like that balanced scoring i like that balanced attack so i'm, I'm going to give the edge to xavier here all right all right next one on the slate uh big noon game on espn two on saturday number 20 texas Going into Baylor, Texas comes in at ranked twentieth, eighteen and six, seven and four in the Big Twelve. Baylor's coming in at nineteen and four, seven and three in the Big Twelve. So I, I got my picks. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take in Baylor in this. Um, they're coming off a hard loss. They got blown out by Kansas, and mm -hmm. I think I think they're smarting a little bit from that. Um, and, and Texas really has been kind of on a roll. Uh, they played four ranked teams in a row, went three and one. But I think it's got to be maybe wearing them down a little bit. Uh, so I, I got Taylor in in a close one, and I got I got number ten Baylor in a close one. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you know, obviously, yeah. Texas has been great in this kind of you know four game stretch against ranked opponents. I mean, up you know, we talk about Kansas 
you know, beating Baylor and beating Baylor pretty, pretty badly. Well, then, you know, they turn around the other night and, and get beat by, by Texas in a, in a close game. So, you know, it's, it's been just one of those seasons in, in, in college basketball this year. But I think uh, Baylor being at home, you know, Texas, yeah, they've had, had an impressive run here with, with the ranked opponents. But I just think the, the, the three-point shooting for, for Baylor is going to be the difference in this one. I like the Bears to, to get, it, get it done. Yep, I'm with I'm on the same page as both of you here. I'm going Baylor at home. I think it's a no-brainer. They're better in almost every statistical category. They're scoring nine more points a game. They average four more rebounds a game. I don't even think this game will be that close. Oh, All really? Right. Nice. All right. Um, game in the Big Ten, uh, 3.30 on Saturday on Fox. You got Indiana going into Michigan State. Indiana's not ranked, but they're 16-7 and seven overall. Uh, seven and six in the Big Ten going in uh, to Michigan State, who's ranked 17th, 17 and six, and eight and four in the Big Ten. Um, Indiana's had two straight losses where they only averaged 54 points, yeah. uh, struggling to score the ball. Uh, and Michigan State's coming in with two straight losses. One of those is to Rutgers by 21. Now, Rutgers is a surprise team. They came back and beat Ohio 16th ranked Buckeyes last night Mm -hmm. in a heck of a finish. They went on a 10-0 run at the end of the game. Um, So, you know, uh, getting beat by Rutgers is is not a terrible loss, but I'm going to take the Spartans in this. I got them coming in, you know, just with the edge and athleticism overall, I think, Mm -hmm. and and you can't really – pick against Izzo on his home court either. right it's tough to pick against and uh, that's why I like like Michigan State both teams are kind of reeling coming into this one both of them are two and three in their in their last five games so both of them are kind of they almost like a must win kind of deal here coming get into this track, and, yeah. and there's no no better way you know no better way to get back on track than, than playing back at home with that with that atmosphere that, that Michigan State has up there in, in, in Michigan and I like I like the, the Michigan State Spartans they're, they're shooting nearly 40 percent from from the three-point line so I think if they can get you know get some early buckets there and, and just kind of bury Indiana I just don't I just don't think Indiana has the offense to come back if you kind of put them put them away early you know, looking at the stats, these two teams are pretty close statistically. And so on paper, it's it's hard to say, but, you know, right. I, I think Michigan State's going to win this one at home in a close one. But it's, I think it's going to come down to free throw shooting. Michigan State's shooting 76% from the line. Mm-hmm. Indiana's only shooting 68%. So yeah. that's going to buy you those couple extra valuable points in right, a close right. game. Yeah, absolutely. Right, very good. Um, then we got two late games from out west. Uh, you got a team that I think is kind of flying under the radar right now, and I not even really they should be – I don't think they should be ranked 22nd, even though they are 19 and five. They've not played a single ranked team the whole season. <laughs> yeah, um, but but they are coming in at 19 and five, ranked 22nd, seven and two in the West Coast Conference. Go, but they got a tough road to hoe coming in against Gonzaga. Right, 19 and four, eight and zero in the West Coast Conference. They beat you know UCLA. They beat Texas Tech. Um, okay. I, I, the Zags are just they're going to be too much for. For St. Mary's. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Gonzaga runs away with this one. I don't think St. Mary's will be able to keep up scoring wise. Gonzaga's averaging 20 more points per game than St. Mary's. Yeah. They're averaging 90 points. St. Yeah. Mary's only putting up 70 a game. There's, I don't think they'll be able to keep up. Gonzaga's also out rebounding St. Mary by eight rebounds a game. That, yeah. That's a lot of extra extra shots, extra chances. I just they won't be able to keep up. Yeah, I think it's 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 Gonzaga all the way here. I mean, they always you know seem to run through their conference and have you know no no issues uh, with with their conference. And you know, like Matt said, they're they're averaging ninety points. You know, uh, as a as a whole, you know, on the season, but in the conference, they're averaging nearly a hundred points Ooh. a game. So it, they they got a lot of firepower there and just a lot of weapons to try to guard and whatnot. And 
And, and I mean, they have a lot of weapons and, and it shows cause they, they lead their in their conference. They share the ball. Uh, they average about 22 assists per game. So, you know, nice. they're not afraid to spread the wealth Give around. And, and, you look, you know, gives you good looks at the bucket. Right. So I, I just think, yeah, Gonzaga, Gonzaga all the way here. All right. Last one also at 10 o'clock on Saturday from the Pac-12. You got number 12 UCLA coming in at 17-4, and 9-3 and three in the division against 21 USC coming in at 20-4, and 9-4 mm-hmm. in the Pac-12. Um yeah, I'll save mine for last. Matt, you want to start us out here? Yeah, to me, this is another game that, just like the Michigan State game, I, on paper, these two teams are very close, and I, I think it's going to make for a close game. And, again, this is going to come down to the free throw line. UCLA shooting 72%. USC is only shooting 64%. I think that's enough for UCLA to get it done. Yeah, yeah, and and, and two teams that come in, you know, they're 3-2 and two in their last five. Both both teams are. So, you know, another another key win for, for you know, that both teams are looking for and, um, I, for me, I got the I got the upset here. I got I got Ooh. USC uh, beating beating the Bruins. Uh, U, UCLA is kind of reeling here. They they've had a couple of you know losses here you know the last couple of weeks and you know some tough losses and things like that. But for me, I think it's just you know the play of USC and, and they average almost 13 offensive rebounds um, a game. And then I just think that's a lot of size you know with with USC and and I I just don't know that that UCLA has the bodies to to be able to to hang hang with with USC. And I think. USC gets gets a lot of you know easy buckets and putbacks and just you know a lot of easy looks at the bucket. I think USC comes out on top on this one. All right, I got to disagree. I think UCLA gets the win here. Um, they've played they've played four ranked opponents and split. Um, USC's only played one ranked opponent and that was Arizona and they and they lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think UCLA is a more tried tried and true team against better competition with their veteran leadership. Um, I, I'm going to give the, I'm going to give the nod to UCLA in this one. All right. All right. Well, that's all we got for tonight, folks. We appreciate you listening in. We're going to come back at you next week on Wednesday night and, uh, we'll let Colt, Colton wrap us up here. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for listening to fired up with your hosts, Colton Cal, chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. Uh, we hope you enjoyed our episode this week, enjoyed the show tonight. And, uh, you know, if you want to hear other topics or, you know, want to, you know, hear us talk about something that that's on your mind regarding, you know, sports or whatever, you know, feel free to reach out to us. We're we're on our social medias. We got, we got an Instagram at fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook. If you search for fired up comma sports podcast. So, you know, hit us up. We we'd love to hear from you guys and, you know, have something to talk, you know, something else to talk about than, than, you know, what we come up with every week. Is, oh, we know next week we're going to be doing a lot of NBA stuff, a lot of news today. That oh, right. We're a lot, lot of big talk yeah, A lot of big trades in the, in the NBA. So that's all-star game coming all, up. Yeah, all-star weekend coming up. So it's going to be a lot, you know, of NBA talk to, to talk about. So, you know, stay, you know, make sure to tune in for, for next week. But you can always, you know, head over to our website too, which is uh, firedup1.podbean.com to check out all of our, you know, past episodes and, and just links to, other important information about the show and, and just, you know, a little bit about, about the show itself. So appreciate you guys listening. And as always stay, stay fired, fired up. up.